Hi, and welcome to Forest of the Future, the podcast series where we look into how innovation in FSC can help save our forests. Because we all know that forests play a key role in combating climate change and the biodiversity crisis that we're facing. Today, we are going to talk about yet another way that the COVID pandemic has impacted our lives and the way we work. We are going to talk about the FSC General Assembly, which will be conducted in a completely new way. Those that know FSC will be able to contest that the FSC General Assembly is the event within FSC. It's where our members meet, discuss, make decisions, and just plain and simple get to know each other, understand each other's point of views. It's where the magic of FSC happens. But even the FSC General Assembly has to adapt to the pandemic. And for the first time ever, the event will be split in two, with one part being held virtually in October 2021, and the real live event being postponed until 2022. And why is that such a big deal? That's one of the questions I'll be asking my panel today. I'll also be asking them, what are we doing to stay close to our members in a time of a pandemic and no travel? And how do we actually plan to introduce complex matters like voting on motions across multiple time zones and connectivity issues? To enlighten me about what we're planning to do, I have Kim Carstensen, Director General of FSC. I also have Guillermina Gaza, or Gia, who is Head of the Director's Office and Membership in FSC. And she's also the single person behind every single FSC General Assembly ever to have been held. And then, of course, we also have Michael Marus, our CIO, who will be the person responsible for developing all of the tech solutions that we now need to have in place. Let's start by diving into understanding what the FSC General Assembly is, because let's face it, most General Assemblies I go to are quite static, boring events where you sit on your hands, really trying not to get appointed to being the minute taker. The FSC General Assembly is nothing like that. It's the kind of event that you count the days until you get to go to. Let's start by diving into why that is. Hi, all three of you, and, and welcome to the podcast. Kim, I'd like to start with you. Could you help us set the scene? Why is the FSC General Assembly such an important event for FSC, and, and how do we normally hold it? Historically, this has been the event that we hold every three years where all of our members come together to make decisions on the future of the organization. So they do the formality, they approve the members list, they approve the financial report. But in addition to that, they vote on motions that sort of determine the, the future of the organization, which direction to take. Shall we work on climate change? Shall we work on intact forest landscapes? How shall we do it? And that's a very energizing event for all of our members in the three chambers come together, find compromise and define what is it actually that is the stronghold force responsible forest management. Mm -hmm. And I guess also it's quite an important event because it's where our members meet each other. They meet each other here every three years. They come together, they can discuss, find out the, the, the future of the organization and they have the chance to exchange experiences, exchange views. They do that a lot. And it's a 24-7 event for a mm -hmm. week. Yeah, <laughs> that it is. Guy, if I then turn to you, we were supposed to have a, a GA, a normal GA in 2020 on Bali. And then COVID happened and we had to postpone the event. And we were expecting that we would be able to travel this year. Then we weren't. So now what? How is the FSC General Assembly going to be held instead? Uh, thank you, Laura, for the question. So 
when we analyze the situation of the COVID that it has affected uh, every single body, the board decided to continue with the preparations for the General Assembly and they further decided to split the event in two parts. So to have the more pressure issues discussed and uh, voted this year, and then continue with the preparations for the GA in 22 in person, in Bali still. So what we have been doing is uh, working in the membership engagement for the motions, continue the preparations and uh, working in the part one of the General Assembly that uh, we are going to start with the first event on the 25th of August. As Kim said, we're going through the statutory requirements and voting for those. And then from the 25th to the 29th of October, we are going to discuss with the members and they are going to vote 12 motions between statutory and policy motions. And maybe we should just recap. What's the difference between a statutory motion and a policy motion? Statutory motions are motions that goes to amend the status. Mm-hmm and uh, also make any change to the principles and criteria. Mm -hmm. And policy motions are initiatives from the members to other parts of the system to improve things or to modify things or implement other activities. Mm -hmm. So it could be, for example, we want FSC to focus more on climate change. That would be a policy motion. We want FSC to embed something in our principles and criteria. That's a statutory motion. Yes. And how did we decide which 12 motions to vote for this year? Good question. For the statutory motions, those are mandatory. So we always discuss them first and in every person meeting. So what we did is we asked the 12 motion proposers of the statutory motions what they would like to do. And four of them indicated that they wanted to have their motion voted this year. So that we have four statutory motions and then we have prepared a survey to do the prioritization of the most important or urgent policy motions for the members to be discussed this year. So they selected eight from the top 15 per chamber and how to select eight uh, considering that is not an even number for the three chambers. So what we did is we selected two motions that are cross chamber priority. It was the highest priority for the three chambers and then two per chamber. So that's why we come with eight policy motions. So mm-hmm. we are going to have 12 for this year. Mm-hmm. So if we just go back and recap some of those important dates and, and actions that you mentioned. On August 25th, we will start with prioritizing the motions? No, we are going to start with the launching of the statutory requirements. So we are going to host an event that is going to be identical sessions in the morning and in the afternoon with this with the aim to address the different time zones that we have. We need to keep in mind that we have close to 1,200 members in 90 countries, so many different time zones. So members, we have the opportunity to join us either in the morning or in the afternoon. And there we are going to present to them the financial statements of the period from the last General Assembly until 2020. And then there is another thing that the members always ratified in every General Assembly, that is the membership list. The list of the current members that we have, as well as the list of members whose membership has lapsed. And the last thing that they are going to approve is the rules of procedure for the virtual GA this year. 
Because we actually didn't have those before. Yes, we have, but for the person meeting. So we need to uh -huh. make some revisions of this rules of procedure to make sure that we comply with all the requirements in the statutes. And then what happens between the 25th and the actual event in October? What it will happen then is uh, that we will continue with the membership engagement to help the members to go as prepared as possible and inform as possible about the motions that they are going to discuss and vote during the week of the 25th to the 29th of October. For that, we are going to host three global webinars mm -hmm. uh, where they will have the opportunity to, to discuss uh, among themselves, especially by chamber, what is the position that they have as a chamber and identify where they need to do any negotiation with other chambers in order to get the motions that they are interested approved. And then when we get to the actual event, then they vote. Yes, we are going to, to present three motions per day mm -hmm. from Tuesday to Friday. And uh, they will have the opportunity for the last discussion. And then members will hear comments in favor or comments uh, not in favor of the motion that is presented, and then we will open the, the ballot, the electronic mm -hmm. ballot. Kim, if I return back to you, normally all of this long process that now lasts a couple of months is condensed into one week and an in-person event. And for the first time ever, we're now splitting it and actually having two different processes, one now this year and one next year. Why do you think that the FSC Board of Directors chose to have this setup instead of just doing everything online this year? Because doing everything online would be tremendously difficult, we believe, mainly because of the time zone issues, meaning that to do the event in one week, we would need to have quorum. We would need to have everybody in the room at the same time, which is tremendously difficult because of the time zones. Secondly, we would find it very difficult to actually create what is created in a face-to-face -face event, which is a space for negotiation within one week. And this is where all the discussion, all the negotiation, all the agreements happen to actually come up with what ends up as the motion that gets either voted through or gets rejected. But all of that negotiation would be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to have in a, in a virtual event. So that's why the board said, we do want to have a face-to-face -face General Assembly. We cannot do that in 2021, so let's hope we can do it in 2022. And I think the, the odds are still pretty good for that to be possible. But then we need to do something this year, because otherwise it would have been five years since the last one. We had the last one in 2017 in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And five years without giving the members any chance to make a decision on changing the course of the organization, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why the board decided to have an event virtual this year where we would be able to have some of the voting on some of the requirements that we need to give the members the chance to make decisions on. And I guess discuss the most important motions that has been suggested. And I think a central part of the TA, like you mentioned, is this whole negotiation, the deliberation between the chambers and understanding each other's point of view. And we now have 12 motions this year that we're going to discuss. What have we been doing to make sure that we actually have that negotiation process and deliberation process and the discussions that's needed between the, the members now that they can't meet in person? What are we doing this year? We've had very many webinars where all of these motions have been discussed and have been presented, have been 
argued for and against among the members. So the members have had the opportunity either by being in those webinars or by listening to them in recordings to actually understand what the purpose of a motion is and what it looks like. For some of the motions, we have set up specific initiatives where we have asked motion proposals to come together to discuss whether motions could be combined or whether ideas from one motion would benefit another motion thereby trying to create a space for these kinds of negotiations. So some of the statutory motions that will come for a vote this year, there's a motion on having GAs only every four years. There's another motion on opening up an opportunity to do virtual GAs. Those motions have been discussed between the motion proposals to see if they could come up with amendments to their motion or ways that they could work together, et cetera. Guy, is this normal? That is that this the normal way that we engage our members? That we host a lot of webinars, that we do a lot of proactive things, or is this something that's new and caused by the pandemic? This is new, and I think that we were pushed by the pandemic to to change all our engagement plan that we have initially created. And I think that this is a very rich learning that we have had uh, during these months and also collected a lot of input from members on how we continue improving. And also that was the first time that we tried the, the structure that we have in place for the membership engagement, that is the regional coordination uh, for the membership, that it has been extremely positive, the, the experience. So it is a new way. It is also a new way that we have put in place on discussion of the motions and facilitating all those processes for members. And what is the regional coordination? What happens there? The regional coordinators, so we have one regional coordinator for every region. So they take care of the region and coordinate the activities and make sure that we address the priorities of the members for each region. So we have seen that the way that we interact or engage is you cannot apply the same for everybody, for every region. Mm -hmm. So we have different methodologies and uh, we also have the global meetings for everybody. What about all the other things that are a central part of a GA normally, which isn't directly connected to voting and to motions, but it's like all of the side meetings, there's normally a a lot of them, like many simultaneous ones at the same time. There's co-creation of ideas and a lot of people discussing in the corners and just people getting to know each other. What are we doing to make sure that all of this happens in the meantime and that we are this platform for co-creation that we want to be? I think that we did in the last months, we have a lot of opportunities for that and also to bring new actors into our engagement. So we have seen the participation of members that we normally do not see either in a in-person meeting or in, in other processes of FSC. So they are coming, they are participating, and we are diversifying the participation of members. And I think that there is a lot of interaction that we see in the chats of the different webinars that we organize and also internal communications that they have that we don't see sometimes reflected. But I think that... Uh, it has no precedent the level of engagement that we have done in the last months to mm -hmm. previous years. So it sounds like we're actually seeing more engagement from members than we normally would. Yes. That's a good learning. Michael, I'd like to pull us over and get a bit of the digital perspective because like Kim mentioned, we're talking about multiple time zones. Like Gia mentions, we're talking about a lot of different connectivities and tactics in different regions because not all parts of the globe are engaging in the same way. 
And I think we've all had our fair share of Zoom and Teams meetings over this last one and a half years. And I don't think any of us are really that interested in going into a full online conference morning to afternoon. And sounds a bit like a drag, actually. So what are we doing from a tech perspective to give it a better experience than just inviting for another Zoom meeting? Hi, Loa. Thank you. We're looking to use technology. So we've done procurement for a real professional events platform. The reason for this is, yes, we definitely have been in Zoom and Teams meetings, but holding an event where if you consider what happens at a GA, even if it's a scaled down GA to do the most important voting and having the most important discussions this year, we still need to try to adhere to what happens at a GA. There's a quorum in the room in certain discussions and when voting has happened, there's a reception that allows the attendees to know exactly what sessions are happening. Also, when you're going across time zones, things really need to be very clear for the users to navigate the right areas. So, you know, having this virtual way of having a reception, allowing users to know where to go, having these event rooms and stages and session areas, as well as the main stage for the GA as it will happen this year is important so that either screen sharing or uh, live events or even streaming recordings can happen in an efficient way. These virtual event platforms that are professional platforms for holding events online allow for the things that, you know, engage with others that are attending, be able to go out and break out into a group very easily. So. It, it's something that is much more than just an online webinar platform or online meeting platform. Mm -hmm. But some of it must be more complicated than just purchasing a ready, set, go conference platform. Yeah. I mean, we have time zones, we have quorum, like you mentioned, we have voting procedures, connectivity, et cetera. What's been the most difficult part in moving all of this digital? You mentioned all of the, the things that we have to consider in, in an events platform. You have to have the, the authenticity of those who are participating are the members so that they will log in using their members' credentials that they use for our members portal to attend the event, but it's also voting the procedures. We don't have extremely complex procedures, but they are very particular to FSC and how FSC is structured in terms of environmental, social, and economic chambers and the uh, weighting of voting. So we've built out the, the platform so it will allow for understanding if we have quorum, understanding if a quorum is reached by each chamber, and also once there's a final result on the vote. So allowing that to be done in a digital way. I think the connectivity is also a major consideration. So again, these events platforms, you have multiple ways to reach the event through your web browser or through native apps for your Android or, or Apple devices, et cetera. So you want to make it easy, but also the connectivity means low connectivity internet situations. So they're streamlined to really work well if your connectivity is good, or if you have issues with your internet connectivity. What is the biggest opportunity from your point of view? The biggest opportunity is what Yee pressed on. You know, we've been pushed to do a lot of things differently because we are not only using technology as a tool to enhance our engagement, 
it currently is the main vehicle by which we do a lot of this engagement today. Also, what Kim said, we'll never be able to replace these in-person, you know, rich engagement and discussions and decisions are made when you're in person. But having this as a, a stronger tool to engage both during a GA or outside of a GA is something that I think is the great opportunity here. We now have new tools to have continuous engagement throughout whether it's through regional meetings or during the GA, even if it's in person, the digital tools will always be able to help us connect our stakeholders together in a better way. And like you say, for them to connect to each other as well, I guess, also in between events. True. These platforms generally allow, and our members portal also allows this to have discussions on particular motions, et cetera, or to highlight the area of, of work that you have expertise in as a member. We've already started that journey through our members portal, but also through these events platforms. Mm -hmm. Kim and Guy, if I bring you back in, do you see other learnings than the ones that Michael just mentioned or other innovations coming from, from this that we might keep in the future? I mean, for me, the biggest thing has been that, that there's so much more we can do without needing to travel to meet each other than we thought possible, I think, a year and a half ago. So I think we have really learned that we can do a lot more in terms of actually talking to each other, looking each other in the eyes, even if it's virtual, and have these kinds of interactions, which I think is enormously helpful. The other thing I think we've learned is that more is not necessarily better. So we've been able to do many more events, but there is a limit. We shouldn't do an event every day, for instance. We now have a rhythm of an event every two weeks or something like that, and that is probably more or less how much it should be. So we shouldn't just increase the quantity of engagement opportunities, but we should, we should give them better quality. So we can do more, but there's a limit to that. And I think that's a big thing we've learned. We also save a lot of money on not traveling so much, but not traveling at all will not be possible. I don't think so. But we're also saving a lot of CO2 on not traveling so much across Absolutely. the globe, which isn't a bad bonus at all. What about you, Gia? Do you see any other learnings and innovations? Yes, in addition to what Kim just said, I think that also the way that we have been preparing the discussion of the motions mm -hmm. with the proposal and with the members, I think that uh, this is the first time that we tried this system. And I think that it has been very positive and this is a new way of doing things. And also having this experience with the motion discussion groups to discuss with a small group of members their proposals that are like linked or that we see possibilities for improving among themselves, uh, contribute each other, etc. I think that this is something quite helpful and uh, it's something new that we didn't try to facilitate in the past ourselves. I don't, it, it's possible that members, they did themselves that, but uh, as Secretariat, we have facilitated that and the experience is quite positive. And I guess even though members did it between themselves in the past, it actually required quite a lot of knowledge about which motions were out there and knowing the other members and who might actually engage in, yes. in condensing motions. Yeah, and also we facilitate also the resources for them to clarify if they need to clarify something legal. So we have the lawyer to to help them, etc. So we have the technical staff that can provide mm -hmm. input if needed or comments, etc. But um, but we just facilitate according to what they want to discuss. And this is new too. 
this is new in the way that we are organizing this. And I think that this is quite positive experience that I wanted to replicate in the first quarter of next year for the remaining motions. Mm -hmm. What about the plans for next year then, Gia, where when we actually do plan to hold an in-person event, do you think that we will do a hybrid or something where you can participate in parts of it virtually if you wanted to? I think that this is something that we need to discuss with the board of directors. And in my personal opinion is that it's going to be very difficult that we only go back to an in-person meeting. I think that we need to have the hybrid event and then make sure that we have the technical requirements in place so that we can facilitate that. That's my personal opinion with the experience and what we hear from members. But uh, this is uh, something that we need to discuss internally and with the board. Of course, that's not a decision that's only up to the secretariat. Final question to all three of you. If you think three years ahead or at, just look ahead, what kind of learnings and innovations are you hoping to take from this and maybe implement in other parts of FSC and other processes in FSC? Let me start by you, Kim. Well, I'm hoping that the new ways of engaging members in discussions that we've developed, I, I hope that they will be something that we can continue for instance, we've been working in what we call the Focus Forest Project, which is about what is FSC's role in landscapes with forests that have specific environmental, economic, social social values. And, and there we have a, an advisory group of members who are coming together trying to discuss what should the rules be and how should we develop this further. We have the same on sustainable intensification and I think these motion discussion groups that Gia mentioned also are about getting motion proposals together to see if they can actually learn from each other and improve the wording, improve the thinking behind the motion. And those processes in between, when we actually come together in a general assembly, I think we can do that in better ways than we've ever been able to do that before, using virtual meets in different ways. Michael, what about you? What do you hope that we can copy paste from this into other things? I hope that this type of fundamental member engagement and decision-making and using digital platforms will support what our, our global strategy looks to deliver in terms of co-creation activities with members and other stakeholders to find better for solutions. We can engage much more frequently and using digital tools. Mm -hmm. And Gia, you get to have the final words. What do you hope that we will learn and, and use going yeah. forward? I'm completely in agreement what Kim says. And um, in addition, what I would see is to find the good balance with a combination of virtual and in-person in meetings. So how can you make more efficient in-person meetings if you do a proper engagement and preparation virtually? So I, I think that this is something that I'm seeing that is going to bring a lot of benefit. So it's not that for every single thing you need to meet in person, but if you do a good preparation, then you could be more, more efficient. And, and I agree that nothing replaces the in-person meetings, but just to find the proper balance so that we can take care of ourselves, our resources and the, the environment. Very good final words. And I do hope that we get to really learn that and really prepare ourselves better before the meetings so that we actually can be more effective when in person. Thank you, all three of you. I am sure that you have a very busy couple of months ahead of you getting ready for the virtual DA, and I look forward to participating in it. That's good. We look forward to it too. We will learn from this experience and get even better for the future.
Let's hope Gia's wishes for the future becomes a reality. That we as FSC and the world in general through this pandemic will learn, not only for now when we need to, but also in the longer run, that not all events have to be in person. And that when we do virtual events, they cannot just be another Zoom meeting, but also have to have true engagement, good content, and reflect the reality of connectivity and access throughout the world. I am sure that when we get to the event this year, we will spend a lot of the learnings that we've had over this past year in how to make virtual events engaging and fun, and that our members will spend all of their learnings on how to participate online as well. I'm also quite sure that this isn't the last that you've heard about the FSC General Assembly in this podcast series, because as we covered today, they are the source of a lot of the innovative ideas and decisions within FSC. Until then, if you want to get in touch with us or follow our work, I strongly encourage you to join our LinkedIn group. It's called FSC Digital Innovations and it's open for everyone. You can also always get in touch with me on digitalinput at fsc.org. I am Laura Worm and this was Forest for the Future.